Attention patriots, tired of the tyranny and crime in the sanctuary cities? Flee the city and seek refuge in the American Redoubt. FleeTheCity.com. Move to the freedom of Idaho, Montana, or Wyoming. FleeTheCity.com. FleeTheCity.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio at ResolutionRDO.com. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. KD Armor raised the standard. Finally, AR-500 steel core body armor that comfortably conforms to the chest and torso. Unique design distributes weight, feeling lighter, increases mobility, and lessens fatigue. Introducing the Combat Quad Bend CQB, a revolutionary plate-forming process that caters to the end user. The CQB is an industry game-changer, a must-have for the ladies. Available now only at KDArmor.com, C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Come and take it. Now's your chance to get the last of the Resolution Radio Blood Tees. Only a few left available before we try to do a reorder. This has been a high-selling item, and we really appreciate everyone's support in getting this shirt and showing their pride as well as showing their heritage. Nothing counts more than blood. Get yours today from Resolution Radio. Only $25 plus $5 shipping and handling. It really helps the network improve, and you really get a great product to showcase what you truly believe in. Nothing counts more than blood. Only from Resolution Radio at ResolutionRDO.com. Send check, money order, or well-concealed cash to Sonny Thomas at P.O. Box 27, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. That's Sonny Thomas at P.O. Box 27, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. You're listening to Resolution Radio at ResolutionRDO.com. Welcome to American Dissident Voices. I'm Kevin Alfred Strom. One of the ways that the Jews and multiracialists got South Africans to surrender their independence and freedom and abandon their apartheid system of racial separation was through sports. Because so many otherwise sane South Africans were fiercely loyal to their cricket, rugby, soccer, and other teams, and because much of the world was boycotting South African teams so they could not compete on a worldwide basis, the Jews had the sports-minded South Africans in a classic carrot-and-stick situation. The Jews and their Gentile collaborators were saying, in essence, abolish apartheid and allow the races to mix freely in your country and we'll let your team play in the World Cup competition like it used to do. 
keep apartheid, and fail to vote in the new constitution, and we'll make the boycott even stronger. You'll be totally isolated. The boycott of their sports teams was a major issue in the South African press for years, and it loomed large in the minds of those white South Africans who pulled the lever and basically gave away their country and their children's future by voting for one-party black rule under Nelson Mandela. Another and even more significant way that white South Africans were persuaded to sign away their self-determination was through their church. The dominant church among the Afrikaners who form the majority of white South Africans is the Dutch Reformed Church. The Afrikaners are a pious people, and much of their identity is and was wrapped up in their church, the doctrines of which are closely related to Calvinism. The Dutch Reformed ministers inspired the pioneering South Africans of 300 years ago with verses from the Old Testament, relating their struggles in a new land with the struggles of the ancient Hebrews in the deserts of the Middle East more than twenty centuries earlier. The Afrikaners were encouraged to see themselves as similar to the Jews, a chosen people specially blessed by God and bringing godly ways to a new and hostile land. The Afrikaners' great trek was seen as their exodus into a promised land, and the parallel with the ancient Hebrews was a major part of their national identity. When they fought against British rule and the British Empire's idea of integrating blacks into their society, they didn't base their fight on scientific or even practical ideas about race. No, they based it on loyalty to Calvinist doctrine on the way of life that had, in their view, sprung from those doctrines, and on the ungodly Enlightenment ideas, the worship of supposed reason instead of God, followed by their British adversaries. So when the apartheid policies of racial separation and self-determination were established in South Africa, they were justified in large part by Scripture. It wasn't so much that the races should develop separately or our precious genetic heritage will be wiped out, but rather that the races should develop separately because that is what Jehovah commands in his holy book. And Jehovah's holy book brought us safely to this land and we must follow its teachings. But anyone who looks at the multiplicity of Christian sects can see that there are hundreds, even thousands of different and mutually exclusive teachings supposedly based on those same scriptures. And it's almost as easy to see how Christian teachings change over time. Some of the very same churches that inspired Europeans to fight to keep Islam out of Europe now teach us that we must welcome Islamic invaders. Many of the same churches that once rejected homosexual perversion and called it a sin now say it's a sin not to support homosexual marriage, for but two examples. So it's not surprising that after several decades of the world's richest ethnic group working to undermine apartheid, and after getting all the mainline churches in their corner, and even getting the World Council of Churches to kick out the Dutch Reformed Church for its supposed racism, 
It's not surprising that new clerics eventually came to power in that church. Clerics who suddenly discovered that Jesus and Yahweh actually meant exactly the opposite from what the church had said they meant yesterday. In 1992, two years before the referendum on the new constitution, the South African church issued an edict calling apartheid, which the church had been instrumental in creating in 1948 a sin. And since the loyalty of the Afrikaners was more to their church than to their race, since their very identity itself was more bound up in their religion than in their blood, a large number of them voted as their church evidently wanted them to vote. And so the whites handed over total power to the black communists of the ANC. There were other factors, too, including the total corruption of the major white political party in South Africa, the National Party, but these two examples are enough to illustrate my point. The South African people's loyalty to their sports teams and their loyalty to their church were enough to tip the scales in favor of political and racial suicide in that sad country. And sad it is, too. Since the imposition of black rule in South Africa, the country has rapidly descended into chaos, filth, disease, madness, tyranny, and genocide. South Africa is the AIDS capital of the world, with over 17% of the adult population being infected. But its then-president, Thabo Mbeki, claimed in 2000 that AIDS is not caused by HIV and hundreds of thousands died as a result. South Africa is the rape capital of the world. One in four men admitted raping someone, half of them admitting they'd raped more than one person, and one in three South African women said they'd been raped in the past year. And the new South African government turns a blind eye as roving gangs of blacks murder white farmers by the thousands. South Africa, under white rule, was a first world nation, outstanding in science, medicine, and technology. South Africa today is a third world hellhole. If the white South Africans had been loyal to their people first, loyal to themselves, their families, their nation, and their race, this could never have happened. When the Jews and their collaborators tried to use sports and new interpretations of scripture to get them to hand over total political power to the blacks, they would have said, hell no, we won't sign over our right to rule ourselves to the black majority or to anyone. Having our own government and our own territory is absolutely essential for our survival. Being ruled by blacks is a death warrant for our sons and daughters, and anyone who wants to kill our sons and daughters is our enemy and will be treated as such. They wouldn't have cared much about whether or not their soccer team could play in London or Los Angeles, or whether some minister said it was a sin to do whatever it took to survive as a race. They would have booted the suicidal preacher out of their church as unfit to lead and apt to mislead those in his charge, and they would have laughed in the face of anyone who tried to use a sports boycott to get them to commit national suicide.
They would have just organized their own championship games and kept on developing advanced weapon systems just in case the group behind the boycotters decided to attack them when the boycotts didn't work. That's what a sane people with their natural healthy loyalties intact would have done. But it's not what the white people of South Africa actually did. For the honor and glory of their cricket team, and because someone wearing a clerical collar told them so, they gave up the political power they absolutely needed for survival and condemned their children to murder, rape, disease, and life as a hated and dwindling minority. Now it's easy to dismiss people who would trade their freedom for their sports team's success, but don't we white Americans display the same kind of misguided loyalty? Haven't millions of us given our loyalty to a sports team? Don't we put the team's symbols on our cars, on our clothing, sometimes even on our homes themselves to show our loyalty? Don't we spend many days every year watching the games? Don't we rearrange our lives so we don't miss the playoffs or the big game? Isn't this almost as much loyalty as we show to our own family members? And we do this even though we know that our home team is nothing but a corporation with hired gun players who have no connection with our hometown, even though we know that these hired guns are often blacks or other non-whites whose degenerate lifestyle often includes sexual defilement of white women. What a disgusting display. We humans are social creatures. We naturally crave belonging to a group. And our healthy instinct is to give our loyalty to that group. That group would naturally be our tribe, our race, our nation. But we have been raised wrong. We have been misled into transferring our loyalty to an artificial creation, like a sports franchise. And you'd better believe that the integration of sports wasn't so much about supposed fairness as it was about transferring our home team loyalty to a gang of non-whites. If you and your family always loved the Steelers, or whatever, then if you wanted to keep up that traditional loyalty, you had to love the Africans, who comprised a large part of the team now, too. That's what it was all about, and it worked on us just like it worked on the South Africans. The only difference is that we had a white majority in America back then, so civil rights and multiracial democracy have been slower in bringing America to the third world level than they have in South Africa. But the same tribe that pushed integration and civil rights was busy opening the borders, and now they've managed to darken America to the point that a majority of births in this country are non-white now. It won't be long, just one or two generations perhaps, and America will be South Africa writ large. We've even allowed the culture destroyers to redefine our nation, so its new meaning has nothing to do with race or kinship, and in fact stands opposed to racial integrity 
and love of one's own. Loyalty to what America has become is for all practical purposes disloyalty to your own people. The mostly Jewish masters of the media have denigrated loyalty to one's race, at least if you're white, as racism, and made it into a taboo so strong that many of us are filled with fear at the thought of being so labeled. So for millions of white Americans, that instinct to group loyalty has no natural outlet. And the media masters and many opportunists of the business world are happy to provide us with substitutes. I'm sure you've seen the Chevy pickup trucks with anti-Ford cartoons or slogans on them, and the converse. Loyalty to an automobile brand. Loyalty to a rock band or genre of music is shown by millions of t-shirts and bumper stickers. Loyalty to a political party can approach insane fanaticism. Your president or candidate can do no wrong, even if he violates every single pledge he made to you during the campaign. And the opposition party is always evil incarnate. It's not a matter of what's right or wrong. It's not a matter of what's best for the nation. And it's certainly never, ever a matter of what's best for the race. It's all a matter of which team you're on, and you give your full loyalty to that team, be it Democrat or Republican. It doesn't matter that the positions taken by your team mutate every few years as the political strategists hold their fingers to the winds of mob opinion. It doesn't matter if the two opposing teams are close friends and drinking buddies when the cameras aren't on, or that they almost always hold the same positions on issues important to the Jews, like wars for Israel, mass non-white immigration, and the evils of racism and anti-Semitism. What matters is that your team comes out a winner. That's where your loyalty lies. And the globalist, Zionist oligarch Rupert Murdoch loves the fact that so many white Americans give their loyalty to his Fox News channel, which pretends to oppose the oligarchs in a few unimportant but extremely noisy ways. It's not quite so easy to dismiss people who put loyalty to their religion first. Like the South Africans, many white Americans define themselves by their faith. If you woke them up from a sound sleep at three o'clock in the morning and abruptly asked them, what are you? Many would respond, I'm a Baptist, or I'm a Catholic, or I'm a Christian, or the like. Like the Afrikaners, they primarily define themselves by what they believe. But what you believe is, for most of the faithful, largely defined by a priesthood or hierarchy, and we have seen how that hierarchy can be influenced to change its positions on vital issues by 180 degrees in just a few decades. In 1948, the Dutch Reformed Church virtually invented apartheid, and in 1992, it declared apartheid to be a sin. What you believe is changeable. You can change your beliefs, or be influenced to change them, many times in one lifetime. Some of us can change them repeatedly in a single year. 
the more easily influenced sort of person, the kind who bears the unmistakable stamp of whoever it is he last talked to, can change his beliefs many times in a single day. Even the best of us adjust our beliefs based on our growing apprehension of reality. All brave and honest men stand up for their sincere beliefs, whether they were taught them as a child or acquired them through the hard lessons of life. But giving your primary loyalty to and defining yourself by a belief system leaves you open to manipulation, to error, and even to extinction. What you believe is changeable. What you are, on the other hand, what you actually are is immutable and potentially eternal. What you actually are is a life form on planet Earth, specifically a particular kind of life form, a member of a human race which is now evolving apart from the other human races. It is in your nature to recognize others of your kind, to choose your mate from among them, and to continue the evolutionary flow of life that is your race by having white children. It is in your nature and in accord with the very structure of life itself to be loyal to others of your kind and to give and to sacrifice so that future generations of your kind will continue to live on when you are gone. It is this natural racial loyalty that is the basis of the nation. The word nation itself is derived from the Latin word for birth. A nation is a group of people of common birth, common descent, common race. Rightly understood, the nation is a subset of the race, and by definition must be comprised of one race and one race only. The word patriotism has its root in common with the Latin word for father. To be a patriot is to fight for your fatherland, for your kin who share the same ancestry as you. To be a patriot is to be loyal to your race and nation. That kind of loyalty is natural. If we intend to survive, that kind of loyalty must come before any other loyalty. It is essential. We must have it or we are done for. If we put loyalty to our political party higher in our scale of values than loyalty to our race, we can be manipulated into a situation where one or the other must be sacrificed, and we will let our race die so we can win the next election. If we put loyalty to a red, white, and blue piece of cloth over loyalty to our race, then we will end up fighting on the wrong side if our enemies stage a coup and take over the government that flies that flag, as they most assuredly have already done. If we put loyalty to a church higher in our scale of values than loyalty to our race, then whenever the interests of our people, of our race, come into conflict with those of the church hierarchy, we will let our race be harmed or even die, so that our church can gain new converts or thrive in a new social climate or whatever the church leadership decides is necessary 
we in the National Alliance are different. We don't just want to continue American life as it is, but with some white rights added to the mix. No. We know that won't work. We don't just want, as the better kind of conservatives do, to restore the Constitution and return to the laws of the Founders, because we know that's not enough to do the job. The Founders in the First American Congress, some of the same men who framed the Constitution, did create the Naturalization Act of 1790, which stated that only those of European descent could become citizens. That act and the innumerable laws of the various states banning racial mixture and the like, and the voluminous correspondence of the men who wrote those laws, and the membership of many of them in the American Colonization Society, the purpose of which was to repatriate blacks to the continent of Africa, show beyond any doubt that the founders intended for America to be a white nation. But all of those good intentions... And all of those laws were not enough to prevent the subversion of our republic and its conversion into a multiracial democracy. The National Alliance stands for a new society, organized on the basis of racial loyalty as its first and unchangeable value. A new constitution with the eternal racial integrity and racial progress of our people as its very reason for being. A new educational system which has the encouragement and augmentation of the natural racial loyalty of our young people as its first principle. A new government which is comprised of and answerable to our people alone and a large self-sustaining territory exclusively for our people and for no one else. Without these basic requirements, we are doomed as a race and nation. They are non-negotiable, and they are non-negotiable because they are essential. If you agree that we must stand together, no matter what the odds, to achieve our goal of a new white nation, to let nothing stand in our way or discourage us, and to give our highest loyalty to our race and our new nation in the making, then I ask you to join your efforts to ours today. You're listening to Resolution Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com. Thanks for listening to Project Schoolyard Volume 2. For more information about the project, as well as lyrics to the songs on this CD, please visit www.tightrope.cc. You can also find jokes, news articles, a photo gallery, free CD downloads, and a secure online shopping cart. We carry a full line of flags, t-shirts, CDs, books, stickers, and other products of interest to racially conscious white people. Please visit www.tightrope.cc.
The Occidental Quarterly fills a unique niche in bringing together scholarly articles on a wide range of topics that are mired in political correctness elsewhere. It is edited by Professor Kevin McDonald, who's no stranger to listeners of the political cesspool. There are quite a few reasons for the precarious state of our civilization and our people. But one of the main ones is that we have lost the intellectual and moral high ground to a cultural elite that is hostile to our people and our culture. Those of us who are politically aware must understand that the elites dominating culture and the political process in the West are intellectually and morally bankrupt. TOQ is the key. Digital download subscriptions are only $30 a year. Subscriptions by first-class mail are only $60 a year. Go to toqonline.com and click on subscribe now. In addition to receiving fascinating and informative articles, you will also be supporting the work of scholars who are part of a community defending our people and our culture with the highest level of integrity and intellectual sophistication. That's toqonline.com. Subscribe now. Are you worried about America? Do you fear the power of the Obama brigades to take away your rights? The Obama presidency is the most radical left-wing administration in American history. Our constitutional liberties are in danger. What can you do? Join the Council of Conservative Citizens. For over 20 years, the CFCC has fought for the rights and ideals of the European American majority. The CFCC has won legal and political battles to protect your heritage and your liberties. The CFCC advocates strong state governments over the power of Washington, D.C. to rule your life. The CFCC believes in an American first foreign and domestic policy which opposes globalism and one world government. The CFCC advocates racial integrity as God's natural order. Visit our website today at www.cfcc.org and join fellow European Americans in the fight for our people. Are you a native son or daughter of the South who pleads the stars and bars? Someone not born in Dixieland, but who is a Johnny Reb at heart and looking for a place to shop that promotes Southern heritage? Well, your search is over. Dixie Republic is the place to go for all things celebrating the Confederacy and promoting Southern pride. Inside the log cabin, just outside Traveler's Rest, South Carolina, Dixie Republic has t-shirts, hats, videos, flags, books, belt buckles, and some of the best mouth-watering barbecue sauce that will ever touch your lips. There's just about everything you want honoring the South at Dixie Republic. Well, you say that South Carolina is a bit too far for you to drive? Have no fear, my friend. All of this is just a mouse click away. Go online at www.dixierepublic.com. You're home for all things celebrating the Confederacy and promoting Southern pride. <laughs> 